0: I believe that the word and prayer alone profoundly transform the life of a believer. If I can empower every believer to just discipline themselves and put that word in front of them, it'll transform their life.
1: You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network.
2: Hey, everyone, welcome to the Pocket Pulpit podcast. Uh, We're back today. And uh, just a a quick side note, you may have noticed we've got a a little piece in the intro now, uh, part of the Church Digital Podcast Network, and just so excited to be a part of that project. Um, Just continuing to see this uh, exploration of digital ministry grow, uh, just different ways that people around the world are using social media and the Internet as a tool for ministry and really seeing some powerful stuff that God's doing in the middle of it, and so today we have with us Dr. Isaac Petitfrere, who uh, is somebody that we've we've been watching for a little bit, and just super excited to to have on the show. I, I'm excited for for what you'll hear today. I personally have been so ministered to him this last week, just to his content online, and so excited to see um, Dr. Isaac is uh, he's. Had titles like producer, pastor, professor, uh, and from the outside looking in, it's impossible to miss how God has used all of these things to develop him into what we see him as one of the most powerful persons of influence on social ministry today. Uh, we're very excited to talk to you today, Isaac, and so if you could just tell us a little bit about who are you, who are your people, what does your life look like right now?
0: Wow um. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, I am humbled by that. A little bit about me. So born and raised in South Florida, got a wife, beautiful wife, and three kids. My son, Ellison, who's the eldest, is 10 years old. Israel is seven. And we now have a nine-month-old little baby girl named Theo. So we've got a little gap there. So like when we felt like we were getting to the next stage of life, it feels like we're starting all over again. Uh, But it's amazing and it's beautiful. And you know, Families occupied a big chunk of my life in the last year, year and a half. And so that's uh, a big part of uh, what, I'm, what I'm doing now. I think for me, it's, you know, ministry has always been a unique sort of, I would say, entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, and the reason why I say entrepreneurial is because I've always been wired in a way to think about how to do things differently. like What contribution could I bring to the kingdom? with the message that God has given me. And so, you know, we, we started online church, which was, it was initially it was an online ministry. It was called the font TV and the font TV grew into this sort of movement in of itself. And we were like, okay, what do we do with this? And, and so we, you know, the font TV became a community of groups. We started doing small groups. We try to connect with churches and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to catch the fish and we'll give it to you guys. You guys can scale them. Um, <laughs> you know, we were in a church, but we we're a ministry. Uh, but of, of course the people we caught the fish and then, you know, the churches were like, I don't think the fish want to stay here. I think the fish want to be, you know, a part of what you're doing. I was like, well, but we're not a church. So it was like, okay, well, what do we do next? And so we, we started online, small groups. And that was kind of our thing. We, we wanted to, we called them at the time, uh, you know, this is, hubris of course but we called it at the time um, transient faith community because they didn't have a church you didn't know where they were we didn't know what was next we just knew we we have to disciple you in some form or another and so we started small groups and then that turned into engaging on mission for the city and then I had a group of pastors who came around me and they did a uh, I call it a holy intervention sat me at a table and asked me said well well, Isaac what do you what are you actually doing and I was like well uh, we're we're just proselytizing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're preaching the message of Jesus. Um, and we're discipling this transient faith community. And we're going to engage them on mission to see the renewal of the city that they're in. And then they were like, okay, so how is that not a
3: church? And, you know, I mean, of course, it's when they asked me that, I finally realized, I was like, well, because we don't have church on Sunday.
0: <laughs> and so it, it was, it was, as I was saying it, I realized how ridiculous the idea was. And we had to actually go back and revisit all of it and say, okay, we became a church without any intention of becoming a church. And and so that, that was kind of a big accident for us. And so that, you know, that grew into a, a church sort of expression and then we you know we just felt convicted that as the ministry was growing we were we were talking about how adding second services third services and you know our gatherings were vibrant and there was all kinds of people coming and all that beautiful all that good jazz and then i remember having a conversation with the team and i remember telling them um,
3: this isn't what god wants us to do and so we're, we're talking about all this success and they're like "What, what? It's like, yeah, I, we, we lost
0: our way somewhere along the way. We became a church with just a service. And the service has become, like, the service has taken over everything. We're not even discipling anymore. We're just, we're expending we're all our energy, our resource, our effort, everything into a gathering. Like, no, that's not what God called me to do that's not what he called us to do and that's not how we started the font so we decided it was time for us to shift gears and it was time for us to transition back to becoming a more online centric expression more group focused expression sending groups on mission discipleship all that good stuff we had no idea what we were doing we still don't know but we were just trying to figure it all out and then we're, we're trying to figure out what the language was for that. We're trying to figure out how do we communicate that? Because now I'm about to let a whole bunch of people down who love what we're doing here, but this isn't it. This isn't what God called us to do. And it took a go out to get the team on board. And once the team got on board, then it was like, okay, I just about to spit all this craziness over to the rest of the community. And everybody's going to feel like their church just shut down on them because he's, he wants to cancel church on Sunday and he wants to focus on discipleship. And, and so You know, I I was wrestling with that and wrestling with how to communicate all of that.
3: And then COVID hit.
1: Yeah.
3: And the church doors closed. And then I was like,
0: thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those weird things, you know, because you know, and I've said this before, like I've got pastors who said, you know, um you know, how's the season been for you? This had to have been so, you know, because it is a difficult season for a lot of pastors who've, who have churches and I mean, pivoting, and adjusting, all of that's been really difficult. And, you know, I've had conversations with pastors and I know how painful and how difficult it's been, but then I feel bad because then when they ask me, well, how has it been for you? And I'm kind of like, it's been actually very good. <laughs> it's like, it's been, it's been one of the, most fruitful times for us. Yeah. So all that is to say, you know, we, what, what has the, you know, what has the season been for us? We closed our doors the week before um, the cities were closed because of COVID. So it was divine providence. It was, it was a divine thing. We just saw it as a way. We just saw it as God saying, Hey, you are, you're right where you need to be. And so now we're just figuring this out as we go. We're figuring out what church online looks like. I know church doors have opened. We still have not opened a weekly gathering. It's been two years. And yet we're seeing growth. We're seeing flourishing. We're seeing a lot there. So we're just exploring right now. What does, what does ministry online look like? We're thinking about a, a, a theology of space, a theology of digital. Um, we, we're, we're past the paradigm of looking at technology as a tool. Um, Because technology isn't a tool. Like social media, you know, most churches treat social media as if it's a tool that we use to broadcast our message. Social media isn't a tool. Uh, The paradigm is that social media is a space, not a tool to use, but a space to occupy. And so once you begin to think of it that way, then you begin to realize that the mission field is Twitter. The mission field is Instagram. The mission field is TikTok. So how do I occupy that? Um, because I think then once you reach that paradigm, then it changes your whole approach yeah. to 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 technology, and so that's what we're exploring right now. We're actually exploring the metaverse. We're playing around with that. Um, but yeah, if you ask me what we're doing right now, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> we're just figuring it all out. We're we're just a bunch of guys who don't know what we're doing, and we're just trying different things. And we're we just have the courage to just take big risks and. And so, yeah, the, you know, my, my personal ministry platform has been just a big accident. I have to tell you that all the time. I have no strategy at all. <laughs> it's just, you yeah, it's just been a big accident, you know? And so yeah. anyway,
3: that's so how we are, got here. Yeah.
1: How much of that feels like familiar, you know, like particularly say just, we're just trying stuff and that's like what Hector and I said, we're, we're just trying things and we're yep. encouraging, like our hope is that other people will try things it's okay to try things and have them work and try things and have them not work. You don't know if what you try will work or won't work, or maybe it'll work out double than you thought.
2: Yep. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, from a a practical point, we, we just don't know what this season, you know, really we're not out of it yet as, as a collective on any scale, city global, America, like whatever scale you want to look at it, we're not out of this season yet, and so there is still time to to jump in and explore and experiment and try new things, and just that encouragement that like it, there's still time uh, to yeah. to jump in. Um, before we continue, Isaac, what what platforms are you on? Like, where can where can people find you, and, and where are you seeing some of your ministry outlets right now?
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm on TikTok. Uh, my TikTok profile is Isaac Frere. So Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E. I'm um, Isaac Frere. Um, I, the TikTok story is a funny story. Um, and and uh, I'm on Twitter, Opus Frere on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, Opus Frere on Instagram. And I am also on Facebook, Isaac Frere on Facebook. I'm on Snapchat. Isaac Frere on Snapchat. Um, and I'm on Pinterest. Isaac Frere on Pinterest. Yes. Um, I'm actually seeing fruitfulness in Pinterest as well. So there you go. That tells you uh, the platforms that we're reaching right now. Pinterest is actually a, a hidden gem. If you want to look for a space right now to make big impact. So anyway, yeah. Oh, and in YouTube. I'm also on YouTube. Uh, Isaac Frere. On YouTube, so yeah, that's those are my platforms.
1: We had somebody, I think it was maybe Doug Bursch who said he tried Pinterest, and it was like, oh, I hadn't even considered that that was a a space to to be on, other than to other than to like make an idea board for my kids' birthdays, like eight years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't- yeah. Pinterest is uh, <laughs> Pinterest is big. Pinterest is big. Uh, Pinterest is making a transition right now with their media. Strategy, they're moving into Pinterest TV, so the TV platform now. You can do live videos on Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest has community engagement tools, creator tools. Uh, So Pinterest is actually moving towards the content curation on the content curation. So Pinterest is a really powerful platform, and it's just getting started. So there you go.
2: Hmm. What a cool update. That's a great, a great little pivot too, with again, trying something moving, pivoting with the times and and with where, where we are going as a, uh, just as a society. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I came across you, we came across you on, on TikTok. And so like, I remember I was sitting there and like either the algorithm was kind or the Lord was kind. And here I swiped up and here you came right up on my for you page. So I, I was watching your stuff, followed your account and was like, this, you know, this guy's really cool. He's got really cool stuff and really good content and really good, a really good word. And it's undeniable that the content itself is well-produced. And so it, I just was, in you know, engaging and watching. There would be days that I would get up. And as I was getting ready for work, I'd throw on the live and just listen. And then I found that you had the Read and Rant podcast. And so I was at work about a month ago. And you had an episode called read it and Weep," And I was making a banner. And so like, I'm, I'm on our sanctuary stage at church and I'm, I've got this huge roll of paper and Sharpies and I'm just like drawing on, on the, the paper and like listening. And I mean, it was, it was so good. And you read about Ezra reading the word to the people, reading the law to the people. And it was like, my mind just went, you know, there's, I keep trying to think of people reference inception and I never watched inception, but I understand it's like the mirror and the mirror and the mirror and the mirror and whatever. But that's like what my brain felt like. It was like, Oh, I see what he's doing here. And, and so like, as we talk, I do, I want to lean into that episode because it was, it was really powerful. Like if I hadn't already been on my hands and knees like doing the artwork, I would have had to go down to my hands and knees. It was just, it blew my mind. I don't want to admit to how many times I probably have listened to that thing, but I've listened to it several times. And every time I listen to that section of scripture, like a new thing, I'm just like, wow, I hadn't thought of that. Wow. I hadn't thought of that. And so like the first Nehemiah five, six, and seven, as it moves through, it like identifies the brokenness and then moves into reading the law. And then it has the revival. So in the first three chapters, Nehemiah arrives at Jerusalem, ready to build this wall to defend the city. And when he arrives, he encounters like several problems. So first there's this inequity and division within the people, and there's opposition to building the wall, both from within and without. And then when the wall is built, the city isn't great and it doesn't have a good account or application of its leaders. And then finally, when they take the account, there are these people who can't find proof that they're in a the lineage of priests. And so they can't serve. And then Ezra reads the law. So each time I've listened, I've seen parallels to our world today. But I want to know, like you've stepped onto the scene with the scriptures, like Ezra stepping onto the scene with the law. And so you must have identified a need for the word of God to be put in front of the people of God. So Mm. can you talk to us about the needs that you see or that you saw that made you say, I have to make people hear the word?
3: Mm. Yeah. Wow. Where do we start with that? So I you know, I grew
0: up in church. I grew up in church. Um, I know church culture, I know church polity. I know, I, I know all things church, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, I knew all things church, and I've experienced a lot of the pain and the brokenness that comes from church, a lot of the hurt that came from church. I saw a lot of folks in my, you know, in my context leave the church and became disenchanted by the church and were hurt by the church, um, spiritual abuse, uh, you know, you, you name it, I've seen it all. And I would be part of that group where I, I was done with the whole Jesus thing. I didn't, I didn't want the Jesus thing. I was like, eh, I'm done with that. I got into the hip hop game, became a hip hop producer, left that. I had an encounter, my encounter with Jesus Christ was at a club. My encounter with Jesus Christ was at a club. The Lord just spoke to me right there. And I gave my life to Jesus then in that moment. And I remember going home and, well, I wasn't home at the time, I was in downtown Miami at the time. And I didn't even go back to the condo in downtown Miami. I went back to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And I just spent time in my room. And it was when I spent time in my room, I remember just asking the Lord, Lord, just take me. Like, Tell me what you want from me. What what do I do now? I don't even know. Like, I'm lost. Like, I I don't know what to do with with this new new experience. I, I don't know what to do with, I was filled with the Holy Spirit right there. And I didn't know what to do with it. I had no information for that. I had no context for that. I had no reference for that. And that left me for at least a day in a state of utter despair. I've always said this, like, I gave my life to Jesus and I fell into depression the next day. (laughs) <laughs> because I just didn't know. I didn't have answers. I, I, didn't, I, was, I was dying to myself. Mm. And it was a Bible that was sitting on the, on the dresser that I hadn't, I hadn't seen that Bible. I hadn't opened it in, I don't know, a decade, who knows for how long. And it just sat there. And it was a Bible that my mom had placed on that dresser. And when I came home that day, I just walked into the room and I opened that Bible for the first time. For myself. And I remember reading that Bible, and I remember what the Holy Spirit was doing to me. I mean, I I opened it up and it was it was God. It was God's direction, God's providence, God's wisdom. The great shepherd led me to the book of Romans. I had no context, didn't know Romans where I was where I needed to go, but the Lord knew where I needed to go at the time that I was in, in the state that I was in. And I remember for three weeks. Reading and weeping. (laughs) I remember reading and weeping, weeping tears of sorrow, then tears of joy and elation. And the gospel is coming alive, and I'm. It's like it was all coming together in a way that, you know, the only explanation for it is it was a supernatural encounter with God through His Word. And as I'm encountering it, I'm, I'm experiencing this. It was like it was all brand new. I grew up in church and I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah. I grew up in church. I'm like how come nobody told me about this? Yeah. I grew up in church and I I literally I was I, I mean I went to service. I heard plenty of services, plenty of preaching. Plenty. And I just didn't I was like this is all brand new. And so, and mind you, I'm the son of a pastor, right? And so it was like was this said before? Like did I did I miss something? And and so my journey with Christ, my early journey with Christ. Was with no assistance at all. All I had was the Bible. That's all I had. I didn't have a YouTube. I didn't have YouTube videos. YouTube preachers. I didn't have. I didn't have you know the guy that everybody you know goes to to listen to. I didn't know who any of these guys were. I didn't have reference from that because I grew up in a you know wildly Pentecostal Haitian church. So you know we didn't know anything other than that. So I didn't know any you know American quote unquote American preachers, even though I was born in America. I didn't know anything. And so all I had was that. And the word itself transformed me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Transformed me, changed my life, turned me around. And it wasn't until I began to mature, because it took a while to get there, but when I began to mature in the word, I began to see the blinders on the church. like people grew up with this perception of church culture, like the business of church, the activity of church. But like me, they heard a lot of sermons, but didn't know his word, didn't know Jesus, and didn't have a clear understanding of the profound implications of what Jesus actually accomplished. And so I knew that if if I would want to see true transformation in people, I would have to just lead them to the word. Like, not lead you to my eloquence and my ability to articulate the message and teach it and all that. If I can just get you to open your Bible and read it for yourself, like if I can get you just to open it and look at it and see what it says, and yeah, I can, I can help you journey. And, and honestly, that's always been my philosophy with, with Opus Prayer. My vision for Opus Prayer is just to see people do it with me. Like pray with me. I know I, you know I post a prayer every morning and i know people sometimes have criticized and say well you know nobody needs to watch you pray i'm like well you know what it's a blessing for the person who doesn't feel like they can pray and because i'm praying they're bowing their heads and they're praying as well this is a door i'm just the gateway drug to god if i can if i can get you to just pray and see hey you can do this too you don't you don't need me to do this you can do this with me then I've accomplished everything I needed to accomplish. I did the read and rant because I wanted people just to read with me, like just read. Like, I, you know, don't don't even trust anything I say. Like, and I've said it even in my read and rants. So I was like, you know what? I know people sometimes can say, "Hey, I love his perspective," and you know, and and all of that. But I've said it multiple times, and I I still say it even to this day. Like, I'll start a read and rant. I'll say, "Hey, as long as you you're here for the reading and you want to you know log off after, that's fine with me." I just want you to pray and ask for the Lord to speak to you in this time as you read along with me. And so I say that because I believe that true transformation in the church comes when people are actually exposed to the word of God in a personal way, not from what a guy on a pulpit tells them that the Bible is saying, but just for you to read it for yourself the scriptures that make wise and simple. And so that's why. That's why I, I, I place priority on the word. I believe that the, read, the reading of the word is a, is a supernatural activity. Just reading the word itself is a supernatural endeavor. You are engaging with God in the reading of the word. And so if I could just get you to learn to do that, it would transform your life. And that's, that's, that's what got me here. That, that's why I do what I do. And that's, that's my motivation. Um, and then the other motivation for it is, is it took time for me to get there, but I've, I've learned that the lion's share of the cases of abuse or sheep being led astray. And when I say abuse, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about spiritual abuse, manipulation, that that sort of abuse, or being misguided or being misled or falling into false teaching or false doctrine. It's all rooted in the fact that we as ministers have postured ourselves as spiritual professionals. And so we're the professionals who, we're closer to God, and we've got much better insight than you do. So come hear what we have to say about what the Bible says, as if you don't have the same access to God through Jesus Christ, as if you don't have the same access to what we have. And so as a consequence of that, I believe what the church does is it pacifies the believer. And it makes the believer turn into a consumer who just receives what you have to say without ever journeying with God for themselves. And so that leads people astray because the only, I need an authority to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to know and how I'm supposed to live rather than just engaging with God to know that I am the written epistle. He's writing the gospel of salvation in me, through me. I am the word. The word is alive. I walk with the word. I'm one with Christ. I am the body of Christ. I'm a living stone for which the house is being built up. And so when we reorient people to the word, we empower them to actually discern and to test the spirits to test the spirit of the word that's being taught to them, to superimpose whatever message they're receiving in the moment within the context of the totality of the text. Because that's what changed my life. You know, you'll say, well, you know, you didn't go to seminary and you didn't, how did you get to where you are? And I say, it's, it's the grace of God that led me to his word rather than to a person and i and you know today i have mentors i have people who i seek guidance from and teaching from i've read lots of theologians and philosophers and i always seek to to you know to to bolster my understanding of the scriptures through the study of the word but it never takes priority over the
3: word it took me about 4 years before i actually i remember um i remember speaking to a pastor
0: and at the time i was I had the font and I didn't know what I was doing because I was like, there's all these people and I don't know what to do with all these people. And they all keep coming to my broadcasts and and my gatherings. And I don't know what to do with all these people. And I felt lost in it because I wasn't, I wasn't equipped to pastor. And I remember sitting down with the pastor and he sat down he was like, hey, can I just run a couple questions by you? And he literally took me through like a theological quiz. He just wanted to know where I was. Where are you on this position? Where are you on the hypostasis of God? Where are you on this? I'm like, why is he asking all these questions? And then, you know, when he was done, he was like, wow. So
3: you're like, he tried to label me, but he was like, you're, you're charismatic, reformed, but not completely reformed, but like you're
0: charismatic, but your theology is reformed. It's very solid. But then you have this other thing about you and this, and he's trying to put it all together, but he's like, he's like, you know, you sound like you have the influence. Have you, have you read John Piper? And I was like, who's that? He's like, you don't know who John Piper is? I, was like, I don't know who John Piper is. You know, he's like, so, so what have you studied? I was like, I, I studied the Bible. It's the word. Tells me everything that I need to know. He's like, wow. So, so you didn't go to seminary? You didn't study? And I said, no, I was just an, a child, ignorant before God and still ignorant today, just asking for the Lord to lead me in his word. And that's what he did. And so, that's my long winded way of saying, I believe that the word and prayer alone profoundly transform the life of a believer. If I can empower every believer to just discipline themselves and put that word in front of them, it'll transform their life.
3: Yeah.
1: We had Carolyn, we had her on. She has a TikTok account called Carolyn the Christian. She used to be Carolyn the Comedian, but then she found Christ and changed her account. And when we talked to her, she was like, When I set up my account, I thought, like, I'm gonna go tell all these lost people about Jesus. And she was like, But then I realized like. All these Christians need to know the the Bible and seeing like that lack of the biblical illiteracy issue that we have right now. And there is nothing wrong with a small taste of scripture, you know, like there's nothing wrong with a taste of it, but we have so like memeified the scripture in our lives right. that we've, we've lost the, it's like, we're, we're trying to survive on a, a nibble here and a nibble there when we've got it like a banquet
2: available mm-hmm. yeah wow well and and yeah, i mean it, it reminds uh the the book that comes to mind is Eugene peterson's eat this word right and just like here is here's this word this bread that is before you this meal that is before you like eat taste and taste and see right but yeah and and i i think too just in as i i've listened to the read and rant you know podcast that you do isaac like the the fact is you always come back to the word. Like you don't leave it at, well, so here's what I'm I'm getting from it. You always go, do you see that in the text? Do you see what's happening here? Here's the story that's here in the text. And it's not just your wisdom, right? And your, you know, guesstimate of what might be happening. It's like, here it is in the text. And if we read it and see it for what it is and what's actually happening and try to understand the larger story that's here, But it's right before us and it's always back to the word. And I I really appreciate that because it it differentiates it between a Bible study of what does the word mean? What is this specific word? And it's really going back to like, well, what's the story that's here? Mm -hmm. And let's just read that story, go back to it, read it again, come back to it, read it again. And um, it's a very simple way to model reading. And, And I think that's what I appreciate most about it. Is it's mm. not, hey, let me go study this word for, you know, 40 hours a week and then come and and what 10 points can I bring from the scripture that will change your life as you walk out the door and you don't remember any of them, mm. but rather continue to come back to that story in small chunks too. I mean, that's one of the things I appreciate. It's like, here's a, I say small chunks, but four chapters is, you know, there's <laughs> a lot there that that you have to digest and and. And see, and so I really appreciate the way that it's modeled of you can do this. This is not, you know, hard. The the podcast episodes are about an hour long or so, right? An hour and a half. And and just reading 30 minutes a day and hearing and engaging with the word doesn't have to be this long. Um I think even as we look at the, the world of today, like people are busier and busier and busier. And so if we can help remove barriers to just get in the word you know and not make it a chore and not make it a thing that is like i don't know how to add that to my list of demands from everywhere else you know um when i'm listening to it on on my drives to downtown you know and on my drives to to the grocery store and as i'm shopping right like but putting the word in a way that is um the banquet that the word is, but making sure that like, you know, it's the 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 full course meal, right? Yeah. Little yeah. at a time. That and the taste that is is good and is not um overbearing and does not uh put us in a place where it's like I, I can't take anymore, you know. Mm. So you know.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's powerful. You know, I so I'll say two things to that. The first thing I'll say to that is I think. We have to rethink or we have to revisit our view of the everyday believer. I think, at least for pastors and ministers, um, my conviction has been that as pastors, we have a very slow view of the believer. Like we have a very low, like we, we, we treat them like there's no way they'll fully get it. No way they'll fully understand. And it's informed how we teach. It, it informs how we share the word. And, and so what I've learned is when you put the word in front of people, they get a lot more than you think. And they learn a lot more than you think. If we would just change, you know, it's like, you know, you know I have a 10-year-old son and I've got a 7-year-old son. I know what my 10-year-old son can handle. I approach him differently. I'm a homeschool parent as well. So I homeschool the boys. And I'm the math teacher. I know how to approach Ellison with material, and how to approach Israel with material. But if I came to Ellison as if he was Israel, who's my seven-year-old, right? He'll he'll operate. He'll function at the level that I'm coming at him with, because that's all I'm. That's all I'm offering. But if I think highly of my son, say, "Hey, you know what? As a ten-year-old, you should be doing division. Maybe we should actually." play around with a little algebra as well. Let's see what that looks like. Challenging him allows him to grow. And I think the reason why many believers don't grow is, and this is the part where I I believe the clergy, and I I hate, when I tell you, there's a word that I hate. I, I hate the word clergy because it creates a separation as if we're like some sort of like elite group of people. But I think if we would just change our perspective of, the parishioners in our pews, like the people that we preach to, people that we teach. there is a space to just give the bite-sized piece, right? There's space for that. But there is an appetite for people who just want, "Hey, give me, give me the big chunk. like give me the whole thing. I'm saying this because, and I, I know you know you may have some pastors who hear this, and I, I don't want to come off as condescending. and you know, here's, here's why I say that, because I'm saying this to the old me. This was an this was a complete accident for me. If you, if you asked me, I don't know, three years ago, I probably wouldn't be talking like this. I learned through my experience on social media. It's taught me so much. The Read and Rant podcast is a big mistake. It was not planned. It was just one thing after another thing after another thing. The Read and Rant lives that we did, that was a big mistake. I'm explaining to you what I mean by that. Um I was, you know, one day I was just on a sabbatical. I was on my sabbatical. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on and I'm just going to read the book of I'm just gonna read like the first two chapters of Matthew online. Which is kind of a thing. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go on and do it. And the only reason why I decided to do it was I had three, three believers who they were new to the faith and you know, they felt like the Bible was intimidating. They're like, man, like, you know, they were impressed by the fact that I told them, you know, I I read, I read the whole Bible probably once or twice a year i just read through the whole thing once or twice a year and they were like whoa like that's that's a big deal right especially when most believers haven't even read through the bible right like it's just the reality and so they were like wow like you're you must be like super sane like you're, you're like super christian because you read the bible twice a year. i was like you can do it and they're like no 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 there's no way i, I can't i wouldn't have the time at all like there's no way. I mean, you're a pastor. Like you do that for a living. You read the Bible and preach it for a living. So I'm sure you, you can. You got all the time. I was like, no. All it takes is half a Netflix episode a day. We can get through the book of. We can get through the New Testament. And they were like, Really? You think so? I was like, You know what? I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on Instagram. No, it was on TikTok. Sorry. I'm gonna go on TikTok. Just join me on there because I know you guys follow me on TikTok. And I was like, You know what? Just just come on my life, and just. Let's just, just read it together. I was like, let's just read Matthew. And we're only going to read for half an hour. <laughs> that was the deal. I was like, mm-hmm. read for half an hour. See what that feels like. So they were like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember getting on the first day. It was like about a year ago, a little over a year ago now. And they, you know, all five of them came on. And it was like three of them and then two of their friends. All five of them came on. And so it was like six total people on TikTok at the time who came on, and I just read the first, I think it was the first four chapters of Matthew, or it was like the first five chapters of Matthew, and I did it in 30 minutes, and then I just kind of said, see, we're done, and then I accidentally kind of just shared some thoughts. I was like, hey, and by the way, if you're going to read this, you know, just ask God to speak to you through it, like ask God to guide you and to lead you to his wisdom, Cause here's what I'm hearing from God, like as I'm reading this, I don't have time to break up, break down all of this, but this is what, and so I just kind of did that, and they were like, "Hey, can you can you do the next five next, tomorrow? Like, let's do it again." And I was like, "Sure, I guess I mean it's only thirty minutes, no big deal, you know," and so I did it again, and then I'd say by the end of the week there
3: was about fifty people on TikTok mm-hmm. attending regularly, so I'm like okay now there's pressure like i have
0: to i have to commit to this like i i mean i I saw the same names popping up and they just kept popping up and they kept popping up and i this this, i call them the ogs in the in the tiktok lives i call them the ogs because they're still there right they still journey with me and i remember like seeing them and knowing them by name and also we're becoming a community around just reading the bible like and i wasn't trying to teach anything none of them knew i was a pastor they just saw saw a random loud black dude with a hat on backwards and he's just kind of just you know reading the book and then by a month there was about 100 people coming on regularly so then i was like okay we're done with matthew guys we did that we're done with matt by in a month we finished matthew i think we were done with the gospels and i told them i said hey guys do you see what just reading 30 minutes a day does?" you can read through the entire gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John for 30 minutes a day and we didn't even read on weekends guys for half a Netflix episode a day and like you should give yourselves a pat on the like pat on the shoulder like pat yourself you did that you read the you did that i didn't do that you did it you read it with me you did it and they're like hey can you can you keep on reading i was like ah, this this whole doing this live thing is ah, Fine, because I offered. I said, you know, we're just going to do the gospel stuff. So you know, we'll do Acts because Acts is, you know, that's the that's the birth of the church. I would, I love Acts. That's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Yeah, sure, let's do it. And then three months later, we read through the entire New Testament. Wow. And it was at that point. So by the end of the Gospels, folks were like, you know, my community. They're like, hey, I miss Tuesday. Like, where can I get Tuesdays? reading rant you know i had something going on i missed tuesday i was like oh, i'm sorry i i you know it's just live on tiktok i'm I, you know i'm sorry they're like you shouldn't
3: record these and i was like yeah i guess maybe okay i'll record them and so i recorded
0: them and then they were like okay where can we get access to them so i had created a dropbox link and i just kept posting them on the dropbox link and then they're like and it was just one of our TikTokers who just attended regularly. And she was like,
3: why don't you just put it on a podcast? Like, just put it out there. Like, and I was like, oh, podcast, that sounds like legit. I don't
0: know. I'm like, I'm not a <laughs> podcaster. You know what I mean? Like, that's what the, you know, that's not me. Like, I'm not that guy, you know? And they were like, yeah, just put it on. Even if it's like 10 of us, at least we know where to get it every time. We can just go on apple or spotify we just get it every time so i had one of them just explain to me how you do it because i had never done it before like yeah you just kind of go here you you know you got your whole hosting platform and all that i was like okay cool and then by the i'd say two months in we we were already at like five thousand downloads
3: wow and i was like oh hold on people actually there's a hunger for this yeah like
0: like people actually here I am thinking what they want is just a quick 30-minute sermon, nice little bubblegum intro with a bubblegum outro. But these people actually they want more. And so we kept committing to that. Now I think we're we're we just got past 70,000 downloads and we've had it going for about three months or now four months now. And I'm and all I can think to myself is, wow, I was so wrong. Like I was, I was, I was so wrong about the everyday believer. Like I'm thinking, oh, it's the, the leaders and the pastors who care about the reading of the word. But like people want this. Like they 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 wanna they wanna just read through the Bible and just talk about the Bible. And so that's been encouraging. So I say that not to sound condescending, I say that to say, I was that guy. Like I, I was you, you know, like if there's a pastor who's hearing this, like I was you. It took me
3: saying yes to social media to learn. Maybe I need to have a higher expectation for the believer. Like if we
0: truly believe that the believer is called on mission as well. And maybe we are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers in Ephesians chapter four, who don't just have people show up to watch them perform, Mm. but who
3: actually do the work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Yes. Like that's a paradigm shift. Like, hey, you know, I say this to my church all the time. Hey guys, I'm, I'm the coach. Like you guys are the ones that are actually on the court. Like, like you, you're doing ministry. Like you're, you know, if you're a stay at home
0: mom, that's ministry. That's a big deal. That has eternal implications. If you are, if you're a lawyer, that's ministry. If you're a CEO in a boardroom, you're doing ministry. I'm just over here, just, you know, screaming on a mic. You're doing the work of ministry. I'm just here to equip you. I'm, I, I'll be your Yoda. And you can be Luke Skywalker. You're the one doing the stuff. I'm just the one. I don't say sentences backwards, but I'm just the one who's guiding you. And I think once pastors begin to think that way,
3: and say, "Wow, I've got LeBron James on the court. I need to coach him." I think a paradigm shift.
2: Yeah, awesome. yeah. It reminds me one of my favorite um, scriptures to think about as as a ministry leader. And and I remember when I heard it um, preached. I was listening. Uh, it was children's ministry leading leaders in children's ministry. And, and the, the speaker um, went over Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians four eleven, talking about, uh, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, Growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we'll be no longer children tossed by waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. And 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 he go, you know, Paul go on, but but the pastor just he just said, like, look, you want mature disciples, you gotta, you gotta model ministry and you gotta give them opportunity to grow. Because if if you don't, you stifle their growing. Like this isn't about growing someone mature enough until you think that they might be able to handle ministry. It's like, no, you model and walk with them as they grow into mature disciples so that we all grow into mature disciples so that they start discipling the, those that are in your, your midst. And hmm. the thought that comes to mind to me, as, as you were talking, Isaac, is that, You know, so often we take the scripture of, you know, some of you are trying to eat meat and you should be eating milk, you forgot the the milk, and what we don't do is go, but what's the inverse of that, right? The inverse is that we're, as you're explaining, we're feeding milk to people who are like, no, I I need some meat if I'm going to continue to grow and continue to be sustained, like the milk will not keep me going. And and we have looked and even, you know, you hear pastors going like, don't come to Sunday morning looking for sustenance for the rest of the week. And we don't we we have a tendency, I'll say, I don't want to speak to a a totality and like this is always happening, but we have a tendency to go. So here's the milk for the week Mm -hmm. and come back Sunday for more milk instead of going here. I'm going to give you some milk and I'm going to lead you to the meat and you can go eat the meat you know, on your own. And, and like, I'll help you out a little bit as you're doing. Um, but this is what's going to sustain you. This is what's going to cause you to grow. And as you're flexing the muscles and working the muscles and recovering the muscles of faith, like you need sustenance. Mm. Um, and so anyway, that that's just the thought that comes to mind as you're speaking that the, the inverse of that scripture, like some of us have to look at our people and go where like, I had a conversation with someone the other day and and they were like, I don't know how to cook. What do you mean? You don't know how to cook. Yeah. Like I do oatmeal every day and I could cook an egg, you know, but I don't know how to make a meal for myself. I'm like, it's so easy to make a meal for yourself. Like you don't have to make a a five-star restaurant meal to sustain yourself you know, because otherwise, what are you doing? Fast food, microwave, TV meals, right? Like, but it's easy to sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I can teach you how to do that. I can teach you how to make simple meals so yeah. that you can do this on your own instead of having to rely on others to to do the sustaining for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I, I agree. I, I think, you know, when we talk about uh what is the mission of the church? Like, what is the role of the church? What is the church called to do? He said, go ye therefore and make disciples. And I think when we, when discipleship is our primary goal, like making disciples is our primary goal, then we have a better sense of where the milk goes and where Mm -hmm. the meat goes. Um, When, when discipleship is your priority, then, you know, Hey, milk may be on this day, but for those who are, you know, in the body, I've got to teach you how to eat meat and to make meat and to make a meal and to, to be independent. I think the best analogy that I have right now for discipleship is spiritual parenting you know, I, you know, I was talking to um, some of our key leaders and I said, well, how do you know you're doing well? Like, how do you know you're, you're succeeding in ministry? Like, how do you know that you're doing what God's calling you to do? I think the best analogy for that is to parent is the analogy of a parent. Like I just spoke about my 10 year old son. Um, <laughs> when Elson turns 18, I'm gonna start asking him some questions. Like when Elson turns 18, I'm gonna be like. Um, So, uh, uh, what are your plans? (laughs) You know, uh, so what are you getting out of my house? Like, what do you go like? (laughs) All right, like what's going on? Like, what's the plan here? (laughs) You know, because a parent knows that they've succeeded when they've duplicated themselves. A parent knows they succeeded when they have sent their children out and that their children are independent and can take care of themselves and do what they did. And a parent knows that they've done well when in the twilight of of their life, they see their children having children.
3: Mm.
0: And so they see now their grandchildren. And so they know, man, I did well. And I think the journey of a parent is one in which you're letting go of your children. Mm. Like you're always releasing, releasing, releasing. Ellison's learning how to cook now. You know what I mean? He's learning how to take care of his house now. He's learning how to, you know, he's learning all this stuff now to do it now. You know, I just got him a, um, a, uh, a, a little checking account, you know, one of those like children's checking accounts, you know, yeah. and I'm teaching him now, Hey, you know, here's your allowance. This is what you should be doing with it. And if you go broke, don't come asking for me, you know, don't count, don't, don't come asking me to get Chick-fil-A, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to learn, you know, I'm starting to teach him now because what is the goal? The goal is to release you and to let you go so that you can do what I did. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're 30 years old, sitting in the basement, asking when are the groceries coming in, I'm gonna look at myself and evaluate and say, what did I, where did I go wrong here? Like, what, what did I do? I, I did something wrong. I did, this parenting thing didn't go the way that I thought it was gonna go. I think as pastors, we need to be thinking that way as well, that we, we're parenting. It's not just shepherding because yes, we shepherd the sheep, we feed the sheep, we feed his lambs, but are we actually commissioning? Are we actually empowering people to go and to be independent and to do it themselves and to grow for themselves? So, um, I absolutely agree with that, that there's a place for meat and there's a place for milk. And I'm, I'm not one to argue against milk on Sunday. Like, I believe that if Sunday is where the babies show up, you can't give them meat because if yeah. you give them meat, they're gonna sit there and go, "Well, that was a lot," <laughs> and they got nothing. They leave with indigestion. But my goodness, if you're if you if all you're getting is the Sunday sermon, and I'm not giving you the resource to say, "All right, now, you've been here for a year, um, where where, where, where you know where are you at?" Well, man, I just love your word last week. The word last week was for you a year ago. Mm -hmm. Now we're here. You've heard this before. I hope you've heard this before. (laughs) Because, you know, if we can be honest, like pastors, you know, if we can be honest as pastors, we kind of have a, we have a calendar. We have a schedule. And whether or not, you know, you're an expository preacher, you still exposit with a calendar. It's just the reality, right? Um Some are more disciplined than others with that. But you have a calendar. you have topics. you cover those topics, every year covering the same topic, and the same topics and the same topics. By like year five and year ten, you know, all the way to year ten, you're, you're preaching the same stuff. So the same people are there receiving the same message over and over again, you have to ask yourself the question, Have you been doing your job? of sending your children out to go have
3: grandchildren. And so, yeah, I think you need to just create a space for meat. Um, And to teach them, now that you have meat, now that you got bacon, cook it. Mm. Yeah. You can do this. You you can
0: do this. Trust me. You can do it. Trust me. And here's the other thing about discipleship is
3: discipleship is not about what you know. But how you live. And I find that most
0: churches and organizations and ministries that are discipleship ministries or discipleship programs, it's been centered around what they know and not what they do. And so what happens is that people cram a whole bunch of knowledge and information, but there's no real transformation. But if you change the paradigm and say, hey, discipleship is like driving a car, or discipleship is like, I love the analogy that you use, Hector, like cooking food. If discipleship is like cooking food, you can show a person a recipe all day. You can show them the recipe over and over again. They can look at the recipe. So this is how you make cornbread. You do this, 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 and they can memorize it, study it, They can they can etymologically break it down. They, they can tell you all the origins of all the different types of corn and flour and, and 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 salt. They can get really good at breaking down the recipe. Okay? They can find the Greek origins of the words for the recipe. <laughs> they, can, they can do all of that, right? But they'll never know how to make cornbread
3: until you actually put the recipes in front of them and tell them, Now do it. Yeah. And if you are a
0: disciple maker, not only are you telling them to do it, but you're telling them to do it with expectation. They're going to burn the cornbread the first few times. They're going to overcook it. Then they're going to undercook it. They're going to mess it up. But they will never learn until they actually do it. Yep. So it's not what you know. It's what you do. So if you're going to be a baker, you got to bake. You're going to be a Christian. You gotta, you gotta live it out.
1: So you have, you have, um, I mean, I've sat in, I, I looked the other morning and when I was on the live and it was like a, a couple hundred people sitting there listening and you have all these people who have listened later on the podcast. And, um, so do you know that they're cooking? Do you know that they're going and applying? Like what what have you heard that lets you know that it's not just they're consuming, but they are they're picking up your ingredients and and heading out to to serve others.
3: Yeah. Um I hate that you asked that question.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: Cut that out. Could it just cut it for the conversation? Goodness, Sarah. This was going so well.
1: Then <laughs> you go and ask
0: that question.
1: Well, too bad. I'm out of here. This I is, already is.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> frustrated. Like I'm, I'm done. Um, I know I say that because I think this is the wall or the crossroads
3: that we're hitting now. Because I, I think once you get into the arena of now you're here.
0: I'm going to challenge you to do more. I think you've got to go back
3: to your Bible and say, what is the church again? Like what makes the church the church again? And who's the pastor? Who's the apostle? Who's the prophet? Who's the
0: teacher? Who's the one who's equipping? Who's? I say that because right now I've got my online church right? I've got my ministry. The font is my church. My personal ministry is Opus Frere. And my challenge, and I'm saying this out loud, this is going to get me in all kinds of trouble, but I've already spoken to even our core team is I'm kind of running to the difficulty of while, while my personal ministry
3: helps inform, helps inspire, if I shift over to accountability, to do.
0: How does that what is that distinction now between what I do in my church already and what I do through this ministry? And so because again, if it if it becomes about accountability and okay, now now that you got it, are you doing it? Are you living it out? Who's holding you accountable to that? Who it becomes now a
3: church. It's a community. Um and you know, I think we I like to think, you know, more people are becoming more open-minded about
0: what the church is and what the church is called to and how the church can be expressed. But, and so they can look at Opus friends and say, well, if there's another church that's coming alive
3: and coming to birth.
0: Then I would say that's what I'm wrestling with right now mm-hmm. because I have a community that I pastor, that I hold accountable to those things that you just said if I fall into, I'm like, I'm like processing all this out, like, like on a podcast, this is so weird that I'm doing this right now, like live on a podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, but again, I'm a full disclosure guy. I, I, I'm always wide open. I, I know that the next step is accountability. I know the next step is, I don't want you just to simply come to my platform and receive the message and receive the word. The next question is, now I want you to go do it. Yeah like to go live it out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working through what's next for us as a community, like what's next for us as a church in regards to that, so.
1: This is something that's like, that sort of processing is something that Hector and I think through and process. Yeah. I think that a lot of people who are doing online ministry are thinking through and process. A lot of people who don't do online ministry, when our, I mean, like you say, the next step is accountability. But two years ago, accounting sort of left the church because mm. we were counting butts in seats and we were counting, you know, like we were counting probably the wrong thing. I mean, you think about like, is, is the, is the numbers, maybe it's, I, this is not a word, but less about the accountability. And like what you're saying, like the go ability, if your person mm-hmm. Doesn't come and hold is accountable to you, but rather they step out and they go and they do, and so it's less about the coming in and being held in, and more about the releasing.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But then mm-hmm. that you know that that just leaves you with nothing to account for if your person goes away and sets up their and tells their own person. And they don't tell you about it does that mean your ministry had no fruit or does it mean that your ministry had some real legitimate fruit
3: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so. no i, I we're, we're, we're we're treading into new territory that isn't
0: so new for god yeah like we we've seen this already like we saw this in the book of acts we saw yeah. this in the church in Ephesus. We saw this in the church in Corinth. We saw this in the church in Philippi. We saw John writing letters to the churches in Asia Minor in the book of Revelation. Like we, we've seen this before, but we haven't seen it like this.
3: Yeah. yeah. And so in a
0: lot of ways, we, we are treading into new territory because I think maybe this is, this is the ambitious, optimistic Isaac. You have to be optimistic when it comes to Jesus and the gospel. You have to be optimistic. it comes to the church and what we know about what's going to transpire we have
3: to be optimistic my optimism says that the church is is beginning to wake up that's my optimism
0: and i know some some guys can be a little bit more pessimistic in my you know my little circle and they're like oh no these churches are like no the church is waking up because the church sees that it's dying the institution itself is I mean, we can read, we, we've read the papers, we've read the Barna studies, we've read the, um, the Pine Tops research study. We've, we've read all those. And yet what we see is we see that the church that we knew before it's the, inst- the institution of the Western church is in precipitous decline. Yeah. So it's not about gathering anymore. Like I see a lot of pastors now changing their language, like, well, it can't be about gathering because they're not showing up. So what is it going to be about? Because maybe what we were measuring was the wrong thing. And maybe, you know, creating Walmarts, you know, Christian Walmarts, maybe that wasn't what God wanted for us. And maybe it worked in a time. But now God is saying, no, it's time for revival. Yeah. And so if it's time for revival, uh, you're going to let my people go. Like, you're just going to let my people go. And you're going to do as Paul. Paul wasn't concerned about who showed up to his church. Paul, Paul was okay with letting them all go. And it was a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Like it was a hot mess. Just read Corinthians. It was a hot flaming mess. However, Paul didn't say, okay, now let me crowd you in. Let me put you in this building and let me, you know. No, Paul wrote a letter, said, I'll be back. This is what you need to do. I'm going to pastor you from a distance. I'm going to lead you from a distance. I'm going to guide you from a distance, and I'll get report back. The only difference between us and Paul is we got emails now. Mm-hmm. We got uh, we got we got Facebook. We can see what you're doing on Facebook. You know what I mean? So I think our paradigm is shifting from organization to organism. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, where it's not about institutions, it's about movements. Like these problems of trying to, you know, you know, find accountability and all this stuff, that's never a problem in a movement. Movements, have they, they, here's the term, they self-regulate. They have ways of self-regulating because it's a culture. It's, it's, it's a collaborative mindset. It's a collaborative. And so what, is, what binds all this together? What binds this movement, movement together? It's the spirit of God. Like, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, when did we stop trusting the Holy Spirit? Like, when did we stop trusting that this is not up to us? It's not our strategy. We have no idea what we're doing. And yet God somehow takes our crazy ideas and our, sometimes are even bad ideas, to be honest with you. And somehow God says, you know what? I'm going to work with this bad idea because I love my church more than they do. That's my church. And so I think that's where we're going now. I think it's, it is, it is exactly what you said. It's, it's about goability. I think this next generation is going to be one in which it sees church, not from, not as a place that, that that you go to,
3: but as a, I'll use more secular terms as a grassroots collaborative network.
2: I want to hear more about that. Um before we continue, I want to make sure because we're already about an hour in. Like do you guys yeah. have the time to keep going.
1: I have four hours. Isaac, okay. how many do you have? <laughs> I,
2: I actually gotta go in a little bit. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I, can, I can feel people scratching outside like, hey, I need to get in here. <laughs> well, so so we can we can continue um this conversation because I'm I'm so just uh, encouraged by, by where we're going. And, and, and I really do think, I mean, I I have, I had a conversation last night and I'm just so encouraged as I've discovered online and discovered like the, the, this podcast and this movement and the DM group that I'm a part of and the the growing network that I'm a part of, uh, of discovering that the Lord is opening doors to continue to equip, inspire, and disciple people that like this is a real thing, a real space with real people, and where real impact can happen. And so I'm just encouraged by this conversation. Um, but I know you got to go
1: well, we usually ask about a time thats that you failed and what you learned from it, and a time that you succeeded and what you learned from that. but i I think that I would like like if I got to get a closing word from you, like what I want to hear is we want to empower and equip. We've been talking about that people to try things. And also like when I think about the, um, one of the problems that, uh, was in Nehemiah was that there were these people who couldn't give account to their lineage. And so they had to sit down, they couldn't be priests. You know, there's the danger. There may be people listening to this and they're like, what I want to do is put the word of God in front of the people of God. I want to do what he's doing. I also know that the danger with that is that there would be like you say the damage, the potential for damage because it is such a precious thing. It's so important that we don't say that the word says of God that which is not of God. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday I heard someone say God will not contradict the Bible and I thought like well maybe technically it should be the Bible won't contradict God. And so what word would you have to encourage people who want Put the word of God in, uh, in front of the people of God online, and encourage in a way that that helps them be faithful to God and how they present the word.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Paul told Timothy, "Study to show thyself approved. Don't start teaching the word unless you're studying the word."
0: Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is is that Timothy had a Paul,
3: and if you're going to teach the word online, find your Paul find your paul who when you get when you go off the
0: rails and you start teaching some heresy paul can say to you hey listen buddy uh that was wrong and that was off so you're gonna have to clean up that mess because that's not even christian that's heresy (laughs) um so i would encourage those who want to teach or who want to just share the word online don't share it in a vacuum You need you need leaders, you need a leader, someone who has credibility, who can hold you accountable. Um, I was saying this to a, a friend of mine who amazing communicator, amazing communicator. Um, some of his teachings a little sometimes a little gets a little. So what I've said is I've said to him. Um, and this is just a word for those who feel called to preach and to teach and have the gift of speaking
3: and teaching apollos was gifted he was anointed but the scriptures tell us that he was also corrected
0: he had priscilla and Aquila, who brought him to they brought him to their house and said all right apollos with this gift you got you're able to do something we can't do however we want to make sure you're actually teaching good doctrine when you preach this gospel so let's sit down and, okay, here's what you said last week, okay? This is why that's wrong, <laughs> all right? So let's correct that because the, the scriptures tell us that Paul w- received their correction. And I think if you're going to teach, you need to have someone of credibility who you can receive correction from. And if you don't have someone with credibility who you can't receive correction from, refrain from doing any teaching until then. Um, and that's out. I have, a, I, have about, I have a collaborative of about 20 pastors now who cover over me, okay? And I've said a lot of things that are reckless and I get reckless a lot. And there are times where I've been corrected and I receive it with grace. I go, you know what? You're right. I could have said that differently. That, that was a little off. Okay. I didn't mean that, but I can see why they could, have, they could have interpreted it that way. Yeah, you're right. If you don't have that person in your life who can correct you, and shut down your social media account. if you're off
3: and incorrect and you just go off the rails, don't even get started because this is this is his church.
1: Yeah
2: oh, that's so good. Mm. well thank you thank you so much for your time and and there's so much i I honestly feel like we're gonna ask you to come back on because there's so no, much sure. that that we want to just continue to, to explore and think about and and see and just continue to to see the way that that God is uh, using this space shaping the space um and shaping his people um preparing them you know I think uh, the, the scripture that comes to mind is like pray, that the Lord of the harvest would send workers. Pray that the Lord of the harvest, because the harvest is ready. The harvest is right. Um, you know, you talk about your story of Read and Rant, that the harvest is right. There are people there who are hungry and ready and just need to hear. How can they be saved without hearing? And how can they hear without someone speaking? And how can someone speak unless they go? And so, yeah, I... I uh, just appreciated our, your time here and just your voice and and what the Lord will continue to to do through your, your ministry. And, and through that conviction of like, it is the word of the Lord um, that, that we as the church, the body of believers need um, as our foundation. So, yeah.
0: Great. I'm encouraged by that Hector. So encouraged by both of you.
1: Well, we were, we are, and will continue to feel honored that you
0: Absolutely. came on. Well, I look forward to another session. All right.
2: Sure.
1: <laughs> awesome. Too. Yes,
2: yeah. very much
1: Anytime. so. Anytime.
0: For sure. For sure. God bless you guys.